Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. So I want to take just a second to talk about mothers. I want, to, I want, us, to, um, I want us to look at the different types of mothers we have. As Terry had mentioned earlier, I mean, as Tim had mentioned earlier, it's not just maybe a birth mother, but there's also spiritual moms, right? Or adoptive. So I would like, actually, I know we've prayed and we're going to continue to do so. I'd actually like to take just a moment to pray, ask the church family to help us pray over our, um, our spiritual, biological, and adoptive mothers. So let's pray, please. Father, being a mother is one of the hardest jobs there is. We thank you for them. We thank you for the moms that are striving to be the moms you've called them to be. We ask that you continue to lead and love them through wisdom, encouragement, strength, peace, endurance, understanding, and all they need for the purposes you designed them to be. Amen. Okay, so even though my... It is Mother's Day, is what we recognize as Mother's Day. My message is not specifically on mothers, as Terry mentioned earlier. It's going to be on four ordinary women and God's sovereignty. So first, we're going to need to do a little bit of background. Does anybody remember the story of, of Joseph, um, who was sold into slavery, that, that Joseph? Okay, so he was this guy with a really cool, colorful coat, who was the apple of his father's eye, Jacob, which is Israel, right? Uh, he had 11 brothers who were jealous of him because of their father's love for him, as well as a dream uh, that he had that, w- that he would rule over them. Um, his brothers decided to get rid of him by selling him off into slavery and then telling their dad that he was killed by a wild, an- wild animal. How many of you have a brother like that? No, no I'm just kidding. My brother's right here, and he's not like that. Just kidding. Sorry. We actually have a good brother. So um, anyway, um, as a slave, he wouldn't mess around with the owner's wife, right? He gets thrown into prison. He hangs out in prison for a few years, interprets a couple more dreams, uh, and then gets promoted to the highest position under Pharaoh. All right? So because of that position, we've got to go back in our history again, um, he was able to bring his family during a drought Uh, If you remember in the promised land, there was a severe drought, and obviously it lasted for a long time. So Jacob and the brothers and all of them had to move down, right? So he was able, because of his position, to do that. And he was also able to set them up in the land of Goshen. And that's kind of where the Nile basically dumps out. It's a very fertile land. It was a perfect piece of, of land. Okay? So in our scripture today, we're going to fast forward about 300 years, actually probably 350-ish, where a lot's happened. Um, to this family. Uh, as far as men, there was probably about 70-ish. Joseph was already there, counting his brothers, not including women. So there's a little over a few hundred that came down, less than, a, less than or around 100. And then, as we read, uh, we'll find out what happens. Okay, So it, we're going to be starting in uh, Exodus 1, verse 8, and then we're going to be going through Exodus 2, verse 10. Okay, so let me again, let's start us with, a, with prayer since we're all about that today, which we should always be. 
Father, I do pray that you would help us just to take this moment to put away all of our distractions, all of the things that are competing for our time and our attention, and help us to focus and settle on you. I pray that, Father, your peace would settle over us and that you would speak to us through your word and that you would help us to be able to apply the things that we learn to our lives. Amen. Okay, so are you ready? We've got a lot to cover, so let's hold on. Exodus 1, starting in verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. And the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service and mortar and brick and all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, uh, they were ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of who, who was named Shifra and the other Puah, uh, when you serve as, mid, as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwife said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. <laughs> we don't know that that wasn't true, by the way. Um, we don't know that they lied. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, they gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with pitumen, I never can say that one right, and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. The daughter, now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside her or beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. I'm sure. Um, she took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then, this, then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. 
So the girl went and called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. All right, so I'd like to offer three observations to this. And the first observation is God is sovereign. Okay, so does anybody ever struggle with what the word sovereignty means? Does anybody really? I did. I mean, it's a big word. We use it a lot, right? So here's what it means through the dictionary. I, I cut some of it out, but it says, as a noun, it means supreme ruler, especially a monarch, head of state, king, or queen. As an adjective, it's possessing supreme, ultimate, or absolute power. All right? So throughout the Bible, we see God's sovereignty in how He is the supreme ruler overall. And one of the ways He demonstrates that supreme power, sovereignty, is that He plans, His plans always, always succeed no matter what, including anything the enemy does to stop it, just like our song was talking about, the last song that Josh and them played. All right, look at history from God's promise to Abraham, right? to a few generations later to Joseph where that promise is happening. How, how he placed Joseph in the perfect position to allow his people to multiply to more than 2 million in, in the 430 years. Now that's the, you know further on. Now you've got to remember it started a little over 100 and something people to, to, four, I mean, to 2 million plus. That's women and children and men. That's a lot, Right? Especially in the climate of that time, that's literally a, a miracle that that happened, right? All right, so look how the enemy through Pharaoh ordered the murder of all the children, Hebrew children, and how God through four women accomplished his plan. So let's take a look at the four women in our text as part of God's sovereign plan. First, God demonstrates his absolute power, sovereignty, with the midwives Shifra and Puah. Anybody in here have that as a name in your family genealogy? Right. Um, this is basically, we're going through the part of Exodus 1, uh, 15 through 21. These two midwives flat out disobeyed a direct order from the king of Egypt to kill all the newborn Hebrew males um, as they were delivering them. Can you imagine having that job or being asked to do that? right when a child is being born, right at probably what is supposed to be the most beautiful time and joyful time in a mother's life and literally murdering the child. But God protected these babies through these courageous women and blessed them for it. The enemy through the king wanted to cut off any chance of the promised Messiah. We see this throughout history as well where people of power eliminate any threat to their power, even their own family members. We see this again after Jesus is born and Herod orders the, all the male children to and under to be killed, but God protected. Next, in Exodus 2, we have Moses' mother, Jochebed. How'd you like that name? Scripture says that she saw that he was a fine child. Now, as a mother, don't you think every child you have is fine? 
So she says she was a fine child, okay? So what would she have done if he wasn't, right? Anyway, she was able to hide Moses for three months. She throws him in a, a basket and gave him up. God then shows his absolute authority, sovereignty, here in what would be insurmountable circumstances by delivering Moses to Pharaoh's daughter and then back to Jochebed uh, for a while. Next, uh, we, in Exodus 2, 4 through 8, we have Moses' big sister, Miriam. Again, through God's sovereignty, he had placed Miriam in a position of influence with Pharaoh's daughter. She was able to ensure Moses' safety and until he was found and then find her a nurse, which happened to be his mom. Now, I don't know how much you know, you know, I don't know if you've watched the old, the, 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 the cartoon version of, of uh, Moses or whatever, but you know, they show, they show him floating down the river or whatever. Well, she places him in the reeds. What kind of dangerous animals live right at the, at the Nile? Anybody know? Nile crocodiles, probably the fiercest of the Nile. They can be 20 feet and 1,500 pounds. And uh, not only that, there's plenty. So just leaving the child there, especially when they, sorry, they've been pitching babies in the river already. Um, just something to think about. Uh, but anyway, uh, God was able through, through, Pharaoh's, or through Miriam and through Pharaoh's daughter, she was able to ensure that safety, right? So that's sovereignty. Now, not only does God protect Moses, but he places them in Pharaoh's own house. Who had done what? He had ordered them all dead, right? Isn't that ironic? Isn't that, I think that's God's humor, really. Um, so as we can see in the scripture, uh, it reveals for us, one, the sovereignty of God, and secondly, the fear of God. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I've always, you always hear different um, opinions about the definition of the fear of God, right? Some say, well, it's just a respect. It really doesn't mean this. Let's look at that. So in Exodus 1.17, we read, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. By the way, these were not Hebrew women, as best we can tell. These were Egyptian women, right? So they feared God. Uh, we see fear God in other places in the Bible, such as in Proverbs 1.7, which says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So what does it mean to fear God? Are we to live a life hiding from God's wrath and judgment? Maybe you have had the misfortune of living with or around a person you feared. Maybe it is or was a parent, spouse, boss that had a cruel and explosive temper where you lived in fear that anything you said or did might invoke the wrath, their wrath. But is this the kind of fear that we're to have for God? As we learned earlier, God is sovereign. That means he can do pretty much anything he wants to do, right? All right? We know that God hates sin, Right? because of his holiness. We know that sin separates, separates us from him. And since we are all sinners, we deserve his wrath. 
However, for the believer, we don't have to live with that kind of fear of his eternal judgment of our sin because Jesus took that wrath for us on the cross. However, we do have consequences to the sins in our lives. <clears throat> and should have a reverent fear of God's uh, loving discipline. God will discipline His children. Through Christ, we have been adopted as God's children and He loves us. As a good parent, we appropriately and lovingly discipline our children to help make them help them make the right choices and to teach them right and wrong, to help them also to be conformed into His image, the Son's image. In Hebrews 12, uh, 5 through 11, we'll read. It gives us a little better explanation. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, we can also use interchangeably, daughter. Uh, my, my son, daughter, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when he, repro when he when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for the discipline that you have, uh, that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. For the, mom for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have, ha who have been trained by it. We're also going to look at Hebrews 12, 28, to continue on with this definition, 20 28 through 29. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus... Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And then finally, in Romans 8, 38-39, we see just how much He loves us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels or rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we have seen that God is sovereign and that we are to fear God. And finally, observation three, are we willing to be used by our sovereignly feared God? God accomplishes His will through anyone. You may think to yourself, why would God use someone like me? especially with the things I've done. What could I possibly offer God? Maybe you think that all the people God worked through in the Bible had some special powers or abilities. When I was younger, I, I believed I did. I believed I was Superman, Batman, 
Of course, Batman actually didn't have any superpowers. He just had cool stuff, right? Um, Spider-Man, a Jedi, or Tarzan. That may show some of my age. I would put on the required uniform, my pajamas. Use a towel for a cape if it was necessary. All right? Uh, pull my socks over my pajamas and occasionally wear your underwear on the outside. <laughs> hey, Superman did it. Right? right? Um, anyway, and then there was these, my grandmother had these little slippers that had rubber soles on them and I'd wear those as well. So anyway, um, I even believed, this is really old, I was evil Knievel. He didn't actually have any superpowers. He's probably not too bright. But anyway, my grandmother even made me some Tarzan shorts one time. And I'd run all over the yard believing I was him. Yep. But Anne finally convinced me that I am none of those people. <laughs> so back to the point. The great news is that all through the Bible, God used normal, everyday people just like us, right? He used people with disabilities, singles, couples, prostitutes, tax collectors, shepherds, men, women, children, senior citizens, the religious, and even animals, anyone, just like he did through the women in our text, a mother, a sister, midwives, and even royalty to preserve his people. And now through Christ's work on the cross, God does give his people superpowers to do his will and gives, gives us clear instructions on what we're to do with them. Let's look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth, this should sound familiar, right? It's kind of how, this is our motto, right? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Four ordinary women with a fear and a reverence of a sovereign God paved the way for Moses to deliver God's children and ultimately ensuring the promised Messiah, our Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you give us your word so that we don't have to guess at what we need to do and how we're to live at examples that you give us the examples we need, especially through your son Christ. Thank you that, that you have protected your people like the ones we've talked about today and us now as we do your will. Thank you for giving us the ability and all that we need to be able to do your will. There's nothing that we lack to do your will. Father, I pray that you would help us to go out knowing that you are a sovereign, loving, fearful God, but more as a fear for as a parent, that you love us. We're your children, and you have the best for us in store. In your son Jesus' name, amen.